You're listening to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. This is episode number 155, Innovation, an interview with Kenny Henry. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Welcome to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. My name is Dave Stahoviak. And my name is Sandy Morgan. And this is the show where we empower you to study the issues, be a voice, and make a difference in ending human trafficking. Sandy, so glad to be back with you. We have another great guest with us who is going to give us another wonderful perspective on uh, how we can really uh, be voices in this effort on human trafficking. I can't wait for today's conversation. Well, I'm very excited to introduce Kenny Henry. He's a new friend and we have common friends. And in this particular circle community of anti-human trafficking, we all learn to share wonderful resources with each other. So I recently got a call from a friend who said, you've just got to meet Kenny Henry. He's right there in your backyard. So Ken Henry is a victim assistance sanctuary leader at Volunteers of America in Los Angeles. He's also considered kind of a renaissance man. So you can go and learn more about all of the things he does at KennyHenry.com. So Kenny, we're happy to have you on the Ending Human Trafficking podcast. Hello, and I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So let's just kind of start with your day job. What do you do at Volunteers of America in Los Angeles? <laughs> yes, day job. I definitely. I am with the Victim Assistance Sanctuary. That is the uh, title of our program. And we strictly focus on uh, labor and sexual exploitation. So we are dealing with everyone from undocumented persons to, you know, people that have been sex workers to the C-sect. And so, and then they intersect, of course, those who are being trafficked sexually and labor. So that's what we do. We offer legal services. We offer housing, transitional and emergency. And we also offer substance abuse treatment for any that have been using or forced to use while um, being enslaved. And uh, we take care of also drop-in center needs as far as clothing, basic uh, life needs, food, clothing, um, hygiene products, things of that nature. And uh, we also run diversion classes through um, our organization with our partnership with a company called Journey Out. And that's survivor-led where um, all survivors actually facilitate and run those courses. And that's a partnership we have with the L.A. Police Department. And instead of uh, booking, you know, the people caught in the act, they will have them come to our classes and once they finish our classes, you know, they'll be cleared. And that's just classes to kind of divert uh, them, their thinking, um, you know, try to help remind some or give some options that probably they never thought was available as far as integrating into society without being trafficked or enslaved by someone. So that's it in a nutshell. And I lead a team, uh, team there. Well, I was particularly impressed that Volunteers of America has an anti-human trafficking agenda because I I just didn't see that as it wasn't on my list. So yeah. how long well, have you, they been doing that? That is a very, very good point. Actually, it's a very new program. 
actually this year it, it's we first, we started this year January of 2017. So my program is very very new. It is the only one in Volunteers of America. We know that Volunteers of America is national, but um, this is why we're so excited and we have such a major major focus to make this so strong, and really just learning from what has been out there, but also using by being in the trenches and having the right people with us being innovative, you know, really big on that because this is a model that, you know, we probably would love to take to different other volunteers of America. Cause as you know, this is a, a war that is going on all over. And so, um, yeah, we've really been excited. There's been a lot of momentum behind it and, um, you know, we've been growing very quickly, moving very fast and we were just set up. I think it just made sense just because of the, you know, the resources we do have, the emergency shelters, the housing, you know, it just made sense. We already had so much of the foundation there. It was just a, a meaning of just getting now um, a matter of getting education and getting the other tools that we needed. So we're excited, going great. We're doing task force. Uh, we're part of the LA Regional Task Force. We are also part of the Long Beach Task Force, as well as Orange County. And I am now on the uh, leadership committee of the newly forming Compton Task Force. So we've actually only had two meetings. So we're excited about that and really going because each of those areas have specific needs uh, just because of their geographic area. Um, so yeah, we're excited. Definitely excited. So innovative is the right word to use. It's our theme word today. Oh, and <laughs> I, I really want our community of listeners to think about, are there organizations in your city that already have all of those components and they just haven't realized that they're like turnkey to be doing anti-trafficking work. This is this yeah. is phenomenal and I'm really excited about that. Uh, thank you. Yeah, you know, I think that, you know, they have, uh, where we're, we're excited is that they're definitely with some great people that we're working with, uh, that we have some partnerships with, and even that I sit on the task force with, but what I've realized and I think what has allowed us to grow so fast is that we have, we're pretty much one of the only ones that offer housing is because housing is such a huge need challenge. And that's just, you know, nationwide for human trafficking survivors and victims. But we are one of the only ones that has a substance abuse program within our company, has emergency housing within it, a transitional housing uh, within that. So that's kind of rare, to, just to be honest with you. But it's great because it has allowed us to align ourselves and you know as soon as we came out um at the task force meeting and introducing and i mean people were just <laughs> running at us like where'd you guys come from we never knew you existed you know and so it's been great i mean it, it's been very fast moving but it's been great because i feel like we were prepared for it we did the work beforehand to make sure that we were solid and ready to really just go and promote and offer ourselves and we've been able to just help so many um, victims on a daily and I, I love that and we get referrals constantly so recently, you were a fellow in the Human Trafficking Leadership Academy. Can you tell me about that academy, who, who did it, um, how long yeah. did it last, and who else was with you? Well, first, let me just say how amazing this thing is. And I just feel like this has been my season of innovation <laughs> because I'm all about that. And I'm about, you know, you know, testing and, and, and um, going against the grain. I mean, and I, I'm a big component on trying different things. And one of the things that I'm so excited about is that I was chosen to be um, a part of this Human Trafficking Leadership Academy that it was the first time 
they've ever tried this. And this was put on by NATAC, which is a National Human Training and Technical Center out of D.C. And the federal government assigned them the task to go ahead and organize an actual leadership academy within human trafficking made up of survivors and service providers, including law enforcement. They had never did this before. It was a test pilot, you know, so they, you know, put money there, flew us out from different places. We would go to Sacramento once a month and it would just be, uh, it was 12 of us in this particular academy. And we would just put our expertise, experience and all that together to answer the question they had as far as what does it mean to be survivor led when you're in these, uh, survivor informed when you're in these drop-in centers and these service providers to give really great care to human trafficking victims. What does that mean to be survivor informed? Answer that That question for us. I want to know too. Yeah, go great. Well, what we came up with, first of all, we proposed that we, that we just changed the definition to, to where it wouldn't be so vague and um, to give it room to identify and acknowledge there's so many different types of survivors. There's not just a one type. I mean, you know, you have, Mm. you have labor, and you have sexual, and those are two different worlds, right? Two different experiences that they go through. And then even within those, you have domestic, you have international, another different experience. Then because of the type of trafficker you're under, you would experience something else differently. You have gorilla, what we call gorilla pimps in the industry that is more forceful. And um, these are the people that are physical that would beat um, victims and put fear in, into them. And then you have Romeo uh, pimps, we call it, where they're going to groom you and wine and dine you and build you up and break you down. So the emotional trauma and the psychological effects that happen to an individual are different. And then so we said, no, we need to come up with something. And what we did was decide to make sure that it talked about just um, survivors across the board and that it would make sure that each of the service providers now have to have input from survivors throughout the process. So from the beginning stage of concept to implementation, and then even a follow-up evaluation from the people that receive services, whether that's three months, whether that's six months or a year or more, um, and what did they feel? You know, what did they feel we could have done better? What are they really, what, what did they experience that at the hands of us that really helped them to integrate back into society? So that was one of the things that was a major thing for us. And what we did from that is just kind of broke it down on what that would look like and to involve the survivors as either consultants or as uh, employees, the ones who had the skills and maybe the education or whatever, and, and involve them. And not just to get their stories. But to also, we said there should be a budget put in place, you know, to pay them for their time. Because what we don't want to do is get back into and and kind of trigger them by acting less as traffickers again. Let's be honest, you know, uh, by mm. just constantly making them tell their story and exploiting them in a way, even if it's not our heart, and they're not, you know, it, there's nothing you know, benefiting them. So one way would be compensation. Others could be just whatever goals they're having, but that we are mindful of that. So, yeah, that was great. That was one of the uh, the main things that the government wanted us to address. So that was definitely something we addressed during the time. And were oh, there survivors and, among the fellows? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that was the main focus of it, that it would be survivors and a diverse a group of survivors. So we had men and women survivors. We had both labor and um, sexual exploitation. We had attorneys. We had um, service providers, some dealing with immigration. You had us on the front dealing, you know, every day with the actual 
human trafficking victims of you know sexual crime and um and labor as well so it was a, a great mix definitely so tell us their top three goals first i want to say coro also was involved in this so there was two people that put this on coro was responsible for the main leadership portion of it and coro is over uh, over 70 year old company leadership company and they train people all over um, different corporations, different industries, and they're very, very good. And one of the specific goals they had was to train us how to be leaders because pretty much everyone there were leaders already. But now it's how to get us to get toward a common goal and get there effectively using leadership tools and skills that Coro have used time and time again and proved to be effective. And I got to say, I really loved it a lot. Okay. They are amazing. And this is a lifelong program, which is great. So once you become a fellow and graduate like we did, you're a fellow for life. Uh, so so many people have gone through this. So it was Coro and it was NATAC that was responsible for the training and leadership academy. Now, you know, we have so many goals with the, with the academy. We had so many. We came with different interests. We came with different passions because of uh, the field that we work in, the field of influence. Oh, But what we did with the government is we were able to present um, basically on to answer their question on the survivor led, right? There were other things that we wanted to present on, but just because of the question they really wanted to know, which was how to be survivor informed, um, we did that. What I, for instance, the top three that a lot of us feel, especially the service providers, and this is because we work in the field, this is what we're doing day to day, so we know the need. And those top three things are the housing, which is safe housing, it is substance abuse, and it is mental health. And that is very, very, very important because we, one, one of the things that we were talking about, and, and I shared this with some of the government, is that it doesn't matter how well we are informed as far as being survivor-informed or even trauma-informed. If we are not making sure, one, our victims have a place to go that would be a safe place, that is working against us. Because we are now have to, we give them care at the sites and our service provider areas, but you send them back into the communities in those environments that victimize them and re-victimize them, which gives more trauma on top of trauma. It's like a hamster in a wheel, we're in a, we're a vicious cycle. And so our thing is we need adequate housing for these victims, you know, and I know human trafficking, unfortunately, is not a new thing. This is something that's been going around for a long time. However, our awareness of it as Americans, as it affects us here at home, is relatively new. And so there's a lot of DV shelters and other homes, but there's not that many that's dedicated for human trafficking. Well, let me ask you a question. If if all of this, you you laid out a grid of the different kinds of Mm -hmm. survivors, but how Mm -hmm. can you create housing that meets so many different perspectives. Exactly. So the beautiful thing about the housing thing is right now, you just start just how we started with DV. DV has just recently started. Domestic violence homes have just recently started Mm -hmm. to kind of branch out now because they're learning more about it. So before it was, but it works still. They're just figuring out how to be more effective and do it efficiently, but it's the same approach. We don't have to separate the labor trafficking from the 
um, sexual trafficking victims at, at this particular moment. Right now, they need just a safe place for trafficking victims, mm. people that have experienced okay. enslavement by someone. And then once we feel like we have this thing, we have adequate housing, we learn from them. And that's the beautiful thing that we found to be so effective is learning from our survivors because they are the ones who they will let us into their world. And that's why the government, they see that very well. They see that we need to be survivor informed and that's part of it. It's like learning from them. If I'm going to help you, I need to know how to help you. I need to know what you're experiencing and um, you know how you respond to that. So, so I feel right now just the housing is fine, but eventually, the goal should be as we're creating these home fronts is that we are now looking at what works and what doesn't work, having the different populations in there. So yeah, we're just excited to get to that level. Now there has, has been, um, I know volunteers of America, I'm really, really excited. We have been able to receive housing for just human trafficking. And that's very, very exciting for us. Um, but of course we need more and we know that everybody and, needs um, more. Exactly. That's a cry from everyone. And so, what about um, but resources for mm-hmm. mental health, because I know here in Orange County, we our mental health budget was cut last year. Yeah. So that has been very effective for us, too, as far as housing. So a lot of the times the housing that we do have that's available now uh, for human trafficking, it is more for the population of transitional age. youth. So um, anyone over the age of 24, they have a difficult time. They're not able to, it, it's hard to find housing for them because it just really doesn't exist. Unfortunately, many have been using while being trafficked. And so they have substance abuse issues. And so uh, we've been able to get them in that direction. And then there's a lot, of course, have gone through the trauma so bad that they have experienced mental illness. So we've been able to use a lot of mental illness here. So we work with the Department of Mental Health here in Los Angeles very, very well. Um, they've been very, uh, they sit on all the task force um, and they have been very aggressive as far as wanting to help with this cause and uh, even getting divisions that are strictly for human trafficking, which we're excited about. So we've been able to, we've been blessed in that area to do that. Now our our thing is just how to implement the mental health a little bit sooner in the process. And that is, I think right now where we're going, and I think it's pretty, really gonna be innovative because it's a need when you've been uh, um, under the hand of a trafficker and you have been under all this emotional abuse. I mean, many people come and they don't really even know who they are anymore. And it just would be helpful to have the mental health, you know, piece put in there a lot sooner. Like, you know, whether it's at assessment time uh, and maybe not intake, because a lot of times we get emergency situations, but the times where we do have that luxury where we could also have mental health doing an assessment at that, at that um, at the initial assessment of it as a service provider. So, you know, right now, like I said, we're, we're working really well with, with uh, the Department of Mental Health here in Los Angeles, and we're grateful for that. And uh, they keep showing great momentum. And uh, so we, we're going to keep going with there, but we know we have not reached where we need to be there as far as getting it implemented sooner. Well, let me ask you about your third topic, substance abuse, because our Insured Justice Conference in March 2018, we're going to focus on connecting the dots between substance abuse and human trafficking. So what are you seeing with substance mm-hmm. abuse? Yeah, great question. So I'm so grateful to hear that you guys are focusing on that um, because that is one of the things we talked about in the Academy as well that hasn't been 
almost any light shed on this. And this is such a big deal because at least 95% of what people have come through our doors are all using their own drugs or alcohol wow. heavily. And this is to numb out, you know, not even the ones that will verbally tell you, you know, they've been so manipulated, brainwashed, they're telling you, no, you know, I'm doing this, you know, I know what I'm doing. I'm doing this on my own. Um, you know, I'm surviving or whatever, but you know, their situation, you know, that they can't eat when they want to, you know, that they can't go and come and say, please. And so, but they're using to kind of numb it out. They're numbing out the pain. And then there's so many that are being forced to use, especially a lot of the younger ones, because that is how they were able to coerce them into uh, the lifestyle. So they come to us and they have this. So it's very difficult to try and to help someone and um, to integrate them back in society when you have such a big issue like substance abuse that they have to overcome. And that takes time. So what we've been finding is getting them into the substance abuse programs that we have and then simultaneously have them go to diversion classes and just doing some really intensive trauma-informed case management is so key all at the same time. And to understand that because they are using that chemical imbalance and all that, it's going to cause behaviors and you can't be distracted by that. They will push you away. They will lash out at you. Um, especially when they're trying to get clean and their body is going through these changes that they, they can't even just, uh, um, comprehend or explain. So the goal is just to be patient and stay in there with them. And we've seen when we've done that, amazing, amazing. There's some great stories, you know, of some people now that are helping, giving back already just because we hung in there with them and help treat them and go through it. But yeah, substance abuse is a huge, huge, huge deal. And there needs to be much more conversation about it. And I'm grateful that you guys are focusing on that. I'm so happy to hear that. Well, and we invited you to come and share those stories with us on March 2nd and 3rd, oh. 2018. And you said yes, right? I did say yes. Absolutely. You did say yes. So everybody, you <laughs> got to come and, and hear Kenny. It is hard to do this kind of work every day, but you find another way to do this so that uh, just absolutely blows me away. So tell us a little bit about how you use music in your battle against human trafficking yeah. and injustice. Well, music is another passion of mine. And so um, I've been doing music for years. I mean, I come from a very musical family, uh, group singing, singing in church. But I really did not honestly embrace my musical uh, ability until I was in college. And what I mean by that is, yes, I knew I had a, a talent and a gift to sing. However, um, I just didn't like sharing that with people, just to be honest, And um, which was strange because I come from a family that don't mind doing that. But I knew there was a calling. I, I felt it deeply. There was a calling. Like, I'm supposed to do this. I don't know what it looks like, but I'm supposed to sing. And I've always been a great writer, which is you know, it's one of the reasons I went to school, too, for um, uh, Burke has journalism. And I've always loved to write and tell stories. and and it just it's so amazing how my life has just kind of come around twofold where I'm able to help people do my passion to uplift and power. And that is what my music is about. So I write and I sing inspirational songs. I sing things about healing. I sing things about empowerment and breaking chains. So for me, you know, I kept doing that and um, being asked to, to present in different places, even, you know, like places similar to what you have going on next year. And uh, tell it, you know, so I present and 
and this could be like last year I did the in Sacramento, the California Association of Drug and Alcohol Educators. Huge conference they do every year, once there and and the other year would be in LA, so they swap. But able to go and just present on the issue, but also being able to sing. And so recently I have joined forces with Mr. Gary Miller, who's an amazing Amazing experience, engineer and music producer. I've worked with everyone. I mean, you can imagine from Sting to Iglesia. And right now, there's a project we're doing. And that project is called Rock Against Human Trafficking. And it's almost done. It's a few more songs done. But there's, you know, people like In Vogue and Slash, the rock band. Sting is on there. Carlos Santana, you name it. And uh, he's currently in Mexico now meeting with diplomats and officials because they love that project and they want to do a Spanish version. So, and the goal wow. is to get, you know, the big names like Jennifer Lopez, Mark Anthony, and then we want to come back home and do Hollywood and get a lot of our Hollywood entertainers involved in this. Some of the more um, younger ones, but including the pop R and B uh, hip hop and just bring awareness with this because music is such a powerful vehicle and it is such an influential catalyst. So we want to use that to help bring awareness, but to also help bring healing. That's innovation, and that's what we're going to close with, music. We're not going to close with more talking. <laughs> we're going to listen oh, to <laughs> Breaking Chains. Kenny, you are absolutely inspiring, so we're going to cut to this music, and awesome. I want listeners to know we'll put uh, links in the show notes so that you can find the things that Kenny's talking about. Kenny, you are just so amazing. I can't wait to hear this. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me so much.
Thank you, Kenny. Thank you, Sandy, as always. If you have comments or questions for us about today's conversation, I hope you'll take a moment to email them to us. Feedback at endinghumantrafficking.org. And if you haven't already visited our new website, it is at endinghumantrafficking.org. A reminder that the Ensure Justice Conference is coming up on March 2nd and 3rd, 2018. You heard us speak about that today a bit. You can get access to early bird registration right now by going to insurejustice.com. Again, that'll be here in Costa Mesa, California, March 2nd and 3rd, 2018. Get your ticket at insurejustice.com. Have a great week, and we look forward to speaking with you again in two weeks. Take care.